All right, guys, you are locked on Falcons. I'm your host, Aaron Freeman, and today we are wrapping up our NFC South offseason crossover series with the host of Locked On Saints, Ross Jackson. He and I are going to be talking about both the Falcons and Saints offseasons on today's episode. You are Locked On Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, guys, you know me. I'm Aaron Freeman. been covering the Falcons for many years at FalFans.com, on Twitter at FalFans, and of course, the host of this world-renowned Locked On Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, the first of its kind. Uh, and today I'm joined by a guy who runs the daily New Orleans Saints podcast, Ross Jackson, the host of Locked On Saints. And we're wrapping up our NFC South roundup, so to speak, off-season roundup, where we look at all the other teams in the division and what they have done, where they've improved, maybe where they've gotten worse. This offseason, we did the Bucks last week with Locked On Bucks. We did the Panthers yesterday with Locked On Panthers. And today we're doing the Saints with Locked On Saints. And, uh, you know, Ross and I will go back and forth talking about each team's offseason and what we felt of the other team's offseason. Um, and uh, then I'll be back at the end with an outro. So let's jump into my conversation with Ross right now. All right, Aaron. So let's go ahead and jump into this, man. So why don't you tell the Saints fans a little bit about this Falcons offseason? You know, everybody's trying to be real uh, keen and understand what's going on within the division. That's why we do these crossover episodes during the offseason here. At least that's the goal for ours. So tell us a little bit about what that Falcons offseason looked like. Key additions, big losses, if you had any, biggest spot left to fill. What are you thinking? Well, you know, the Falcons went pretty much all in on their offensive line. What you had was a team that you know, they went into free agency getting guys like Jamon Brown and James Carpenter. Uh, and that was the expectation going into the draft. All oh, these guys are going to be the starters at guard and the Falcons will try to address their right tackle position because they had Ty Sambrella, who's more of a swing tackle, sort of penciled mm-hmm. in that spot. And so they surprised a lot of people when they drafted Chris Lindstrom with their first round pick uh, and sort of continuing to address the guard position. But I think Really, one of the conversations I had quite a bit on Lockdown Falcons in the lead-up to the draft was, even though the Falcons spent money on Brown and Carpenter, I don't know if those guys really solved the issue. And I think Mm -hmm. one of the things that the Falcons were able to accomplish with that Lindstrom pick is, potentially, at least long-term, we'll have to sort of see what he does in 2019. But, um, you know, long-term, solve one of those guard position spots with that high draft pick. And I do think Lindstrom will come in right away and, and be an effective starter for the Falcons moving forward and certainly better than some of the options they've had in recent years at that right guard position. And uh, then they go and double dip, trade back up, uh, you know, into round one at the end of round one to get Caleb McGarry, the offensive tackle out of, Caleb, uh, out of Washington. And he's probably also going to leapfrog uh, Ty Sambrello and, and be the starter right away at right tackle. So they're going to have potentially a you know, two rookies starting on the right side of their offensive line. And, um, you know, that is a cause for concern to a certain extent because, you know, they play a team by the name of the Saints and Cam Jordan likes to line up on that side of the defensive line. So those guys are going to be thrown to the wolves at some point against some of the, you know, top pass rushers in the league like Cam Jordan. But I think that's really where the Falcons focus was on. They were also able to address the defensive line to a certain extent because, again, one of the things that the Falcons were really focused on going into this offseason was their improving in the trenches. They didn't put as much in the defensive line as they did in the offensive line. Uh, mm-hmm. But the main additions that they made in terms of Adrian Claiborne and Tyler Davison, 
who your listeners are very familiar with. I I do think those were two solid moves, particularly when you measure how much the Falcons wound up spending on those guys. I think they got a lot more bang for their buck than they did in comparison to signings like Brown and Carpenter. So they were able to get better on the defensive line. They didn't quite sort of invest as much in terms of draft capital on that defensive side of the ball uh, as maybe people expected and, and myself included thought going into the draft, but they did wind up getting John Kaminsky in the fourth round, a little bit of a project, but a very mm-hmm. um, talented athlete uh, from a division two school in university of Charleston that they're hoping can sort of grow into a, a difference maker down the road. So those were the main areas of, of concern for the Falcons. I think in terms of sort of their biggest loss this off season, I don't know if any losses were major. I mean, they did mm-hmm. lose a, a pair of starting corners in Robert Alford and, and Brian Poole, but they feel pretty confident that Isaiah Oliver and, and DeMonte Casey, uh, who played free safety last year but was a college corner um, and led the NFL or tied for the NFL leading interceptions last year, those two guys will be adequate replacements for those guys, and they wound up drafting two corners to sort of solidify their depth there. So they have a lot of athletes and talent, and talented young players. So I think they're pretty confident that those guys will be able to step up moving forward. But one of the big mantras that Dan Quinn was pushing this offseason was to be more physical, and that's you know owed to why they put so much into their offensive line. But they did lose Tevin Coleman to the San Francisco 49ers. They drafted Edo mm-hmm. Smith a year ago with the expectation that he was going to step in and be that number two running back behind Devontae Freeman this season in the event of losing Coleman in free agency. But that's a question mark. We we saw Coleman over the last several seasons be a very effective player. Edo Smith, while in limited opportunities last year, flashed some potential. But you also have Devontae Freeman coming off in an injury uh, plagued 2017 or 2018 season as well as uh, having injuries mar the end of his 2017 season. And mm-hmm. so that that is a question mark going forward. I, I feel reasonably confident in Edo Smith. Uh, and if, if Freeman comes back healthy and, and Smith will be able to step up um, into the void. But that led to Falcons to draft uh, Quadri Olsen in the fifth round. So to shore up their depth a little bit. So I think right now, in terms of the biggest question mark as far as players that they lost, I think the running back position right now is um, chief among that. And in terms of sort of, Positions that they still need to sort of uh, address. I still think they could do a lot better on the defensive line. And maybe uh, between now and the start of the season, maybe some quality uh, pass rusher becomes available or is put on the trade block or something uh, later this summer. And the Falcons maybe can scoop that guy up. You know, there's a world where I imagine the Falcons freeing up a ton of cap space so they can go out and get someone like an Indomitian Sue, but I know that's not mm-hmm. necessarily the world that we're living in right now. So that's basically <laughs> the Falcons uh, offseason in a nutshell. Uh, I'm going to ask you one quick follow-up question. Do you think that more emphasis on the defense now that they've done all of this work on the offensive line, especially what we saw last year, which of course was an injury-riddled defense, but do you think that an emphasis on the defense moving forward into sort of the second phase of free agency makes sense for the Falcons? Yeah, I think so. I I think really the Falcons are really putting, based off of what the move they've made so far, they're putting a lot on sort of those guys that were injured last year, like Keanu Neal, Deion Jones, and Ricardo Allen coming back healthy and really being basically the equivalent of free agent signings that will boost the defense and get mm-hmm. it back to playing at a level comparable to where they were in 2017, where, uh, you know, they were, I think, top 10 in scoring defense and top 10 in, in yards allowed. Uh, but certainly a, a defense that's an above average defense that can certainly be a lot more competitive than they were a year ago when they were one of the worst defenses in the league. Awesome. 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 
The offseason is all about improving your roster so that that performance on the field is not a letdown, but maybe you're looking to improve your own performance and gain that extra confidence in the bedroom. You can do just that, not just in the offseason, but anytime, day or night, by checking out BlueChew.com. Yes, blue, like the color blue. BlueChew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. Take them anytime, again, day or night, even on a full stomach, and if you're on the go, you'll be ready to go because since they're chewable, they'll work up to twice as fast as any pill. Blue Chew is prescribed online. It ships straight to your door in a discreet package, so there's no in-person doctor's visits, no more waiting in line at the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. Blue Chew is made in the USA, and since it's prepared and shipped direct, it's cheaper than any pharmacy right now. Take advantage of this special offer by visiting BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code Locked On. All you have to do is pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E Chew.com, promo code Locked On to try it for free. BlueChew is the better, cheaper, and faster choice. Ross, that brings me to where I want to talk to you about the Saints offseason. I'm curious, sort of, what do you look at as your biggest um, free agent additions, uh, as well as draft ones, as well as some of the areas where the Saints maybe have lost some key players, and maybe what's left on the docket to uh, address uh, before the start of the 2019 season? Yeah, so uh, for the Saints, for sure, when it comes to those big key additions, I mean, the first thing that jumps out for me, of course, is tight end Jared Cook. Uh, somebody that, you know, a position that the Saints have really been sort of struggling to fill as that pass-catching tight end since Jimmy Graham was traded to the Seahawks in return for the now-retired Max Unger, which I'll come around to. But getting Jared Cook as a part of this offense is going to be, I think, huge. And it's going to help out a ton with what the Saints struggled with last year, which was having a another option outside of Michael Thomas. So Michael Thomas, of course, had a fantastic year last year, 125 catches, uh, 1,405 yards and nine touchdowns. He had a great year, but didn't really have a lot of support outside of him. I mean, the next wide receiver or tight end that came to him in terms of uh, receiving yardage was nearly a thousand yards less, which was in Traquan Smith, who had 427 yards. So not really a lot of backup from the pass catchers. The second leading receiver on the team, of course, was Alvin Kamara, which I could still see being the case even moving forward. But getting somebody like Jared Cook, who finally got a coach last year that used him the way that really sort of focuses on what he is very good at, lining up all over the place, lining up out wide, in the slot, in the backfield, and in line. The Saints are going to be able to do some stuff like that. Dan Campbell talked on Saturday about the idea of dusting off some of those old Jimmy Graham plays (laughs) for Jared Cook, talking about his length, how long he is, 35-inch arms, things like that, that really sort of are those characteristics and qualities that the Saints haven't been able to use and take advantage of in their offense for quite some time with the absence of a pass catching tight end they tried with Kobe Fleener didn't work out obviously uh converting Dan Arnold to tight end last year didn't work out uh so much in fact that when Garrett Griffin was elevated from the practice squad he took the starting role so there was a lot of real uh sort of concern around that tight end position throughout the year but now the Saints essentially have a fantastic starting tight end there in Jared Cook that's coming off of his career best season with the Raiders last year which was basically as Deuce Windham called it a throw uh, a throwaway year you know so him being able to come into an offense that can build around him and that can really accentuate what it is that he's good at and really emphasize what he's good at 
I think that's got to be, you know, the top Saints ad for this offseason. And then you look at some other places where they shored up their team after some losses. The signing of Nick Easton the day after Max Unger retired was big, and it's become even bigger now that he's going to, now that he likely will become depth. Uh, you can look at Latavius Murray being signed after the loss of Mark Ingram, which those are probably for me the two biggest losses for the Saints. There's also Alex Okafor on the opposite side that was also lost, but I think that in terms of the biggest losses for the people that ended up walking away from this team, it would be Max Unger retiring and then uh, Mark Ingram, who went and signed with the Baltimore Ravens. And of course, Max Unger didn't walk away, right? Like he's done. He 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 basically went out on his own terms, and that's what every football player wants to be able to do. So you got to love and respect what he's done. But then being able to sign somebody like Nick Easton that's got experience along all of the interior line positions, particularly left guard and center, that's great for the Saints who love that off that sort of functional versatility along the offensive line. Uh, Another big key addition was Malcolm Brown, which was also a response to essentially a loss. Sheldon Rankins is going to miss probably the first half of the season. I wouldn't expect to see him back until sometime after the bye week. He'll likely start the season on the physically unable to perform list because of his Achilles injury that he suffered in the divisional championship game against the Eagles. So with bringing in Malcolm Brown, who's a former first rounder, and they also brought in Mario Edwards Jr., who is a little bit more rotational, uh, they're able to sort of help shore up that defensive line. There's a lot of concern right now about whether or not David Onyemata is going to be starting the season or if he's going to have have a suspension because of a marijuana possession arrest that he faced earlier in the offseason. So far, things are looking optimistic. There's been no contact about it. So that would be huge for the Saints in terms of making sure that that defensive line continues to stack up. Uh, so those would probably be a combination of like those key additions in response to those biggest losses. Again, the biggest losses being to me, Max Unger and Mark Ingram. But I'm also going to talk a little bit about Alex Okafor, who was the rotational third defensive end that rotated with Marcus Davenport during his rookie season. This is a guy that walked away uh, from, you know, with four sacks last season. Uh, I think it was eight tackles for a loss somewhere around there and played, you know, the majority of snaps and sort of rotated with uh, Marcus Davenport and ended up playing the majority of snaps because he, you know, Marcus Davenport missed three games of his rookie season. And so whether or not getting somebody like Ezekiel Anza, who was a target for the Saints, but is going to probably miss the first month of the season, potentially, whether or not he would have been a key addition for the Saints on this list remains to be seen. And of course, we'll never know because he ended up signing with the Seahawks, who were in a scramble to figure out what the hell to do now that they traded away Frank Clark. And so with all of that and with having lost Alex Okafor, that's another position to pay attention to. And I think it's still the biggest spot left to fill if the Saints choose to fill it. You look at that defensive end three role and what they've done for the Saints over the last few years, and you're looking at at least four sacks over the last two or three years. Years. And so with that, that's great production for a team that was, you know, among the top five in sacks last season. And you you look for that as sort of that change of pace edge rusher that's able to help keep Marcus Davenport, who's young and developing fresh. However, I looked at, you know, what happens if we take Marcus Davenport's production from last season, give him the extra snaps. And if he produces at the same quality that he produced last year, the Saints aren't losing out on a ton. And so it's not really, it may not be as big of a deal, but I have to say it's wonderful as a Saints fan and as somebody that's been covering the Saints and that went through the 2014, 15, and 16 seasons to say my concern, my biggest concern on the team, my biggest concern on the offense right now 
is the defensive end three position. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that, that's a really nice place to be. Uh, there are some concerns as well around the interior line, just trying to figure out exactly what it is that Malcolm Brown's going to be able to do. Is he going to be able to play that three tech position or is he going to be more of a nose tackle? If he is more of a nose tackle, what do they do to cover the absence of Sheldon Rankins at three tech? Do they look for somebody else that ends up getting cut at, you know, during preseason or during the offseason, sort of entering this next phase of free agency? Or do they rely on Mario Edwards to do that? or one of these undrafted free agents. Uh, and then you look at the Saints draft and in being able to bring in Eric McCoy out of te- uh, out of Texas A&M, who allowed one sack over 1,441 snaps, about uh, pass rushing snaps, if I remember correctly, or pass blocking snaps. Uh, just an incredible force he is. And so the addition of him, the addition of Chauncey Gardner-Johnson and Saquon Hampton potentially to the, uh, to the defense, you look at Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, who can play all over the place and sort of be a utility role in the secondary, something that the Saints love. And he's more than likely going to be able to play uh he's going to spend most of his time at nickel that's where he's been so far the most at minicamp although they are moving him around to try to test him and make him uncomfortable but he's playing well Saquon Hampton is somebody that can come in and really be a part of the special teams unit and then potentially win that fourth safety role or third safety role depending on where he slips in with Chris Banjo and then the two seventh round picks Caden Ellis and uh, Elise Mack or a couple of guys that are just looking to fight for a roster spot and have a pretty clear route to do so. Uh, that tight end three position is wide open behind Jared Cook and Josh Hill. If Elise Mack can come in and show that he is a developmental prospect that can make a difference still in his first season, that he's somebody that will f- could find his way to the 53-man roster. And then Caden Ellis has a wide open spot staring him in the face when it comes to what uh, the Saints no longer have in Manti Teo. So those are the kind of big things for me in terms of key additions big losses and spots to fill for the Saints I don't have any follow-up questions to that well I guess I to a certain extent I do have a little bit of a follow-up we've seen the mm-hmm. last couple of years the Saints uh, offense be more of this run oriented offense than what they traditionally have been throughout the Breeze era which is you know let Drew Brees drop back 50 times and, and sling it all right. over the field um, right. you know I, I wonder a little bit do you have any concerns, and you talked about this a little bit, that with the changes on the interior of the offensive line, with the loss of Mark Ingram and replacing him with Latavius Murray and, and maybe even uh, a guy like Divine Izigbo who could be in the mix because, you know, the Saints didn't have a ton of draft mm-hmm. picks, so they're going to be a little bit more reliant on some of these undrafted free agents. Do you feel like um, – the Saints can continue to be sort of more of this run-oriented team uh, with some of the changes that they've had uh, this offseason. Yeah, I think that they can. I mean, if you look at what the Saints were able to do the first four weeks of the season in 2018 with the loss of Mark Ingram due to his PED suspension, you saw Alvin Kamara really sort of take the reins and then bring in, I think it was seven touchdowns or something like that. I can't remember off the top of my head, but he still was very productive over those first over those four games, uh, both in the run game and as well as as always being a presence in the passing game. And I think now with somebody like Latavius Murray, Latavius Murray isn't going to come in and sort of be a one for one substitution for Mark Ingram. Instead, I think it's going to be a little bit of an elevated number of snap counts for Alvin Kamara plus a rotational role for Latavius Murray, if that makes sense. So it's going to be the both of them making up or picking up the slack for the loss of Mark Ingram. And then, like you mentioned, uh, there's a couple of undrafted free agents that can come in and challenge for that running back three role, which has traditionally been a very important special teams role as well. So it's really going to come down to who can earn that in kickoff coverage and punt coverage. But I definitely think that the Saints can remain uh, with their their model that they have created over the last couple of seasons as a, a or their identity as a run first identity uh, that can still you know light you up through the air as well. 
Now, I look at the Saints offseason, and I, I see a team that I think, um, you know, in the areas where they could have potentially taken a step back, as you mentioned, the run game, the interior offensive line, with these losses with Ingram and uh, Max Unger, I feel like they were able to sort of, you know, maintain the status quo to a certain extent and get some solid pieces in there to sort of shore up those areas. Uh, obviously, you mentioned sort of Sheldon Rankins and his injury, and they sort of, you know, revamped their defensive interior by adding guys like Mario Edwards and Malcolm Brown. So I think those are also really good moves. Um, I, I guess I'm, I'm looking at it in terms of, you know, I think the Saints had a, a, a really good offseason. I think, you know, uh, one of the things... I always find interesting with Falcon fans is they always look at the Saints and sort of look at their salary cap situation, look at how much Drew Brees is counting <laughs> and how little draft capital. And they're like, oh, this is going to be the year where the Saints, it all collapses. And it's like, nope, the Saints always find a way to find more cap space to go out there and be aggressive and free agency and shore up some of these areas. The salary cap never comes up. It bites them in the butt. And the draft capital is not that big a deal since because the t- Saints are sort of all in on their, um, you know, trying to win a Super Bowl before Breeze winds up retiring. So who really cares about 2019 picks? Who really cares about 2020 picks uh, if mm-hmm. the goal is to, to sort of win now? So it, with all that understanding, I'm like, you know, I have to, you know, begrudgingly admit that I do think the Saints did a really good job this offseason. I guess the only area that I'm sort of looking like maybe the Saints could have done a little bit more was maybe besides Jared Cook, maybe add another option in in terms of you know expanding that passing game, as you mentioned, mm-hmm. in terms of finding sort of a guy that can be the third wheel after Thomas and Kamara, because those guys just so much dominated the ball in terms of the targets and how many touches they got last year. And mm-hmm. is there another guy that can sort of step up and sort of be the the guy that your you know defenses are worried about? And whether that's a Jared Cook or a Traquan Smith or maybe even Cameron Meredith coming off of injury. Uh, I think they could have maybe done a little bit more there, but again, that's more, you know, when you already have two of the best one-two punches uh, or one of the best one-two punches in the league, uh, I I guess that's more just, you know, nitpicking to a certain extent. So much to my chagrin, I think the Saints really did an outstanding job this offseason. Yeah, I mean, I I turn around and I look at what the Falcons did in the offseason, too. And there's a couple of things that, you know, just kind of raise some question marks for me. And I think that a lot of that has to do mostly with the fact that I don't I don't focus my energy on what the Falcons do, essentially, because, you know, I cover the Saints and everything. And so there are some things that raise some question marks for me that might be obvious answers that I'm not aware of, is all that I'm saying. And so when I look at the fact that, you know, a quarter of the salary cap went to offense offensive line is now invested in that offensive line but then still finding it necessary to not only draft two offensive linemen in the first round but to trade up to make that happen for a guy like Caleb McGarry and Chris or for guys like Caleb McGarry and Chris Lindstrom uh, that sort of raised some flags for me because it got me wondering okay what is it about the well raise some flags for me in terms of looking at it objectively but then also kind of I mean we talked about the Cam Jordan effect and we talked about what that is and then you get a little bit excited as a Saints fan looking at that and going ah oh, okay so now we've got two rookies starting over on Cam Jordan's side essentially and you saw him you know he takes the Twitter and he does yeah. this whole social media thing and all that but I mean you know it creates a little bit of uh, excitement for Saints fans to see that out of the Falcons but then 
it's still a wait and see thing, right? Like I can sit here and talk about, oh, there's going to be two rookies starting over on that side, but you know, we don't know what those rookies are going to look like. So that can be a good thing or a, or a bad thing, depending on how a Saints, you know, depending on if you're looking at it through the Saints fan lens or the Falcons fan lens, because what if those two guys come in and are absolute studs? And then all of a sudden that right side of the, the right side of the pocket is no longer a concern for the Falcons. Then how far does that take their offense? So there's still a little bit of a, of a wait and see with that. But my initial reaction to it is curious and just kind of wondering what it is that hopefully Cam Jordan's going to be able to do with that. Uh, I, I, I knew that Tyler Davison wasn't going to end up a New Orleans Saint this offseason, but I did not expect him to become an Atlanta Falcon uh, with, uh, you know, him signing with, you know, and then he, what was it that he said? Something like, I hope Saints fans don't hate me or whatever. Uh, so like even he understands the weight and importance of, of, of what that rivalry is and what this rivalry is. But I love seeing that he landed another job. And I think that his his role within the Falcons defense, I think, is going to be a little bit more uh, elevated than I think most Saints fans expect. So I expect to see a lot of him over those two games uh, toward the latter half of the season. I think the lack of focus for the Saint, I'm sorry, for the Falcons on defense just really shows that they're trusting that, like you said, those injury, those people coming back from injury are going to sort of act like a supplemental free agency. Uh, and so I think for me, as I look at this, the Falcons defense or the Falcons offseason kind of all depends on what happens with the Falcons defense coming into the 2019 season. If the health brings everybody back and then you're able to get back to that place of, you know, top 10 in points allowed, top 10 in yards allowed and everything, then it's a success, it's a successful offseason. But I have some reservations at the moment because if they didn't really focus on that defense and then it comes back hampered in 2019 because of the injuries suffered in 2018, it makes it a little bit sort of tougher to evaluate. And certainly if if that happens, then you kind of wonder why no attention to the defense. And like I said, that could have an obvious answer that I'm not aware of because I don't cover the Falcons, but certainly something that raises my eyebrows a little bit and makes me kind of wonder, oh, okay, so what is that team going to look like? And especially because the Saints and Falcons won't meet each other in the season until after the bye week, so way later on in the season. So there's a lot of time to see what that defense is either going to be able to work out or what that defense is just going to end up looking like after the injuries from last season. And then the last thing that I'll mention is that I'm a huge fan of Ido Smith, regardless of what uniform he's wearing and so i hope that he eats this season with a little bit of increased attention with tevin coleman being gone i just hope that he kind of like hangs it up on the shelf for a little bit in both of those saints games just <laughs> yeah. just for just for a second just yeah. for a second but he had four he can have 14 great games and i'll be real happy for him i really really like the fact that he's he he potentially can get a little bit more emphasis this season yeah well you know you mentioned sort of having question marks about sort of the falcons spending that money on offensive linemen free agency and not necessarily using it on defense um, Falcon fans have the same question marks because, mm-hmm. you know, one of the things I've talked about on Lockdown Falcons quite a bit over the last couple of weeks since the draft is I felt like the Falcons needed to invest their draft capital in offensive linemen. And I think they checked that box. But I also sort of thought, at least going into the offseason and sort of now sitting here in hindsight, I think it even makes, makes it even more obvious, is that they should have spent their free agent dollars addressing their defensive line and waiting until the draft to upgrade their offensive line and they didn't really do that and you know one of the big issues that the Falcons uh particularly their fan base has had is because a a big reason why they didn't have as much money to spend in free agency is because of their spending on um bringing Vic Beasley back for on his fifth year option and sort of uh that taking a lot of money away and then spending what little money they had 
what now looks to be on basically backups along the offensive line with uh, probably Carpenter starting at left guard, but Jamon Brown being a backup, Ty Sambrello being sort of their swing tackle now. So it, it's one of those things where in hindsight, you know, if you could have do it, done it all over again, maybe, you know, that 20 to $25 million that you potentially could have had had you cut Beasley and, and not spent it on some of those veteran free agents on the offensive line, maybe that could have been a Malik Jackson. Maybe that could have been, you know, some of these other players, maybe even some of the guys like Malcolm Brown, who certainly I thought would potentially could have been on the Falcons radar if he didn't wind up going to New Orleans. So some of those, you know, I think basically the way I've summarized it is I think the Falcons did a great job in April, not so great in March. And we'll see how whether or not that plays out in their favor in um, 2019 and whether they can overcome maybe that not necessarily having the best offseason that they possibly could have had. I like it. Um, let's do. I, I know we're long on time, but I'm going to ask one more question. Maybe we can both do this, and we'll just do a name. If there was one player that you could add, if it's somebody that you know maybe is an impending free agent, is already a free agent, if there's one more player that you could add to the team. Who would that player be? Well, I, I mentioned him before. If 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 you know they had the cap space to do it, I, I'd go all out on Indomitian Sue. Mm hmm. I would say the same for the Saints. I look at Adamican Sue as a great possibility for that, or not a possibility, but as somebody that can really fill a lot of needs for them. I know that a lot of Saints fans get really upset when you mention Adamican Sue's name because he didn't sign with them last year. They worry about character issues, but then also celebrate the fact that the Saints can sort of cure character issues when you look at what happened with Eli. So you got to kind of pick or choose. Uh, and I think that he would be a great addition. The other one that I look at, too, and I think you might have him on your list, too, but is uh, Gerald McCoy, if he eventually does become a free agent. Absolutely. Absolutely. He's another guy that definitely I'm keeping my ear to the ground to see what's going on with him in Tampa Bay. Same. Well, Ross, I appreciate you uh, joining me on today's uh, little offseason crossover. Uh, let my listeners know where they can find your stuff and, uh, you know, what you got coming up on Locked on Saints over the rest of the summer. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, for me, you can follow me on Twitter over at Ross Jackson ASC. Uh, throughout this offseason, it's just about tracking what's going on. Saints are in the thick of rookie mini camp right now and getting ready to sort of launch into the offseason programs in full swing. Uh, curious to see what they're going to be able to do in sort of this next phase of free agency. So I'm going to be tracking through that. And then, of course, through all of the offseason, those sort of offseason team activities as we go through everything to see exactly how these rookies are fitting in, these new additions for the Saints and what the new look 2019 saints might look like and what they can replicate out of 2018 and i appreciate you being able to do this with me as well aaron thanks so much man why don't you tell the saints listeners where they can follow you and what you got going on over at locked on falcons yeah i'm on twitter at falc fans that's f-a-l-c-f-a-n-s and uh you know locked on falcons we'll be talking more about where you know the next couple of weeks we'll still be sort of wrapping up uh our draft recaps and then at some point in July, we'll start, you know, previewing training camp. And so that leaves a little bit of a month in, in June where I'm still trying to figure out exactly what I'm going to do. But uh, maybe I can do some more of these off, off-season sort of crossovers and, and get with some of the other locked-on podcast hosts to sort of see what their teams are doing and maybe have that inspire me for some great content on Locked On Falcons in the near future. I love it, man. Hey, thanks for taking the time, man. I appreciate you. And we'll talk again soon. All right, man. Look forward to it. All right, our final NFC South crossover in the books now, guys. I uh, hope you guys appreciate that. It's always, you know, for me, you know, as as someone who does these daily podcasts, and particularly when we get into the season and, and breaking down the team matchups and all these various things and looking at the team strengths and weaknesses and 
sort of when we get into these matchups, what can you exploit? What are you going to have to sort of defend against or, or try to guard against from the other team exploiting? I always enjoy getting these sort of these insights ahead of time at sort of where these teams are. Um, I hope you guys do also appreciate that as well. So, um, you know, we'll get back to the Falcons, you know, rookies and, and whatnot uh, shortly uh, this week and uh, continue that through the end of May and probably a little bit into June. Um, and then, you know, if you guys want some to be on some future fan talks uh, in the coming weeks and months this summer, then you can hit me up on email address. <laughs> in my head, I was like, you can hit me up on uh, not Facebook, not Twitter. Oh, yes, the email address. Uh, on email at LockedOnFalcons at mail.com to sort of let me know uh, sort of what your availability is. If you have Skype contact, and give me your Skype contact. If you don't have Skype, then any phone number that you have will suffice as far as that goes. And um, yeah, maybe, you know, give me a couple of topics that you want to talk about. I know a lot of you want to talk about the rookie class because when we did the fan talks last summer, that's basically what all of you guys wanted to talk about. And, you know, no offense to you guys out there. But, you know, after like two or three of those fan talks, I was like, well, if, if people just want to come on and give their takes on the rookie class, we've now had like a whole bunch of people give their takes. I don't know what, you know, person four and person five are really going to be adding that's different from what any of the uh, other, you know, three and, and myself included people had said earlier than that. But, um, uh, you know, that's one of the reasons why if you can do it first come, first serve. Uh, you'll be one of the first people to sort of get your draft takes out there and have them heard. And everybody else is just going to have to sort of listen to what you have to say uh, rather than be able to give their opinions on future fan talks. So um, just keep that in mind, which is one of the reasons why you want to go ahead and send that email address. And of course, any other feedback that you want to provide, you can do so via email or Twitter at LockedOnFalcons or Facebook at LockedOnFalcons. And of course, you can leave a comment at FalFans.com where the podcast is hosted daily. You are Locked On Falcons, your daily podcast on the Atlanta Falcons, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.